Content warnings for this epilogue include complex and complicated relationships, romance, references to sexual entanglement, death of loved ones, and grief. Epilogues Part 6 Vosca The year is 407 AT. Ox 3, several months after the stars came back. Summer light hangs above Zima Lake, gall tangers raise glaring reflectively across the icy blue surface. Heat shimmers in the atmosphere, and yet the air remains chilly. The rest of Andake might be melting into summer here, but the commune is always cold. And this is where we find our story now, at the northern edge of Morose, where Zima Lake tapers off into a cliff's edge, and the Great Sigirni Salt Flats begin. A memory of the ocean shines in the bright, cold fractals of the waste. And standing in the middle of the ice, backlit by this cliff, is the hut. A wooden and hide hut, its edges lined with fur and straw, a thick woven mat insulating the cracks between floorboards. This hut has legs. Blue legs. Blue lizard legs, to be exact, hunched low against the ice. Sharp, ridged talons stand upon this ice, perfectly still, each coal-black claw the length of a longsword. A little chimney protrudes from the roof, venting thick columns of steam up, up, up into the summer sky. And ten feet away from this hut, swaddled in scarves and furs, we find Costas. Their dark brown skin is beaded with anxious sweat. Their hood is pulled back, revealing a handsome face cut in half by ice. Twin swords are strapped across their back, and they are nervously consulting a slip of paper in their hands. A letter. A letter they are currently reading out loud, trying various different angles for. And next to Costas is you, Vasca. Costas is in the middle of saying, Okay, uh, uh, hello, Karal. Uh, I know it's been over a year since we spoke. Uh, no, no, that's too casual. Uh, I think, Vos- uh, I'm imagining this is like maybe the fifth or sixth run through <laughs> now. And Vosco was like, Yes, you're doing it because you, you just have to say the thing, but they keep cutting off the same point. So she's <laughs> just. <sighs> Each time she just kind of like this is audible like sigh. She like uh, reaches her like her neck lowers and she looks back at Costa. She says, "Costas, my dear, perhaps we run through the whole thing." Before. Okay. Yes. Yes. All right. <clears throat> and then yes. Uh, Costa seems emboldened by your encouragement. Mm-hmm. Like uh, ripples out the paper into a fine sheet and says, "Okay, <clears throat> hello, Karal." I know it's been over a year since the incident, and I'm here on your doorstep for two reasons. One is to apologize, and the other is to apologize even more. And I, I, I don't expect you to forgive me, 
I don't expect anything. I don't expect a pat on the back, anything like that. But I just want you to know that I'm I'm a different person. I've changed. I've, I've grown since we last spoke. And you don't owe me anything, but I just thought this might be nice for you. For closure. Is that too, is that too presumptuous? Is that, I think that's a presumptuous way to Maybe, end the apology. Uh, 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 well, yeah, perhaps we, perhaps we, uh... And I think, I think, uh, Vasco, like, takes a look at it, pulls out, like, a bit of, uh, charcoal or whatever writing utensil she has on her, and she just kind of just goes, scratch out <laughs> <laughs> In a very, uh, wonderfully elegant straight line. <laughs> and she goes, yep, I, that didn't sound good coming out of Costas's mouth, so we'll just, we'll just cut that out. <laughs> Uh, Vasco, what do I do? I'm not good with words. I, I have all these emotions in me, but they're coming out all wrong. But that is... It is not coming out wrong, though, Costas. It's important that she knows how you feel. That's the point of this, is that you're honest with your feelings, yes? Yes. Yes, and I'm, and, uh, I'm ready. You're ready. There's no need to manicure it. There's no need to tame it. Just be you. And in Vasca's head, she is like, she mutters to herself in her own head. At most points, <laughs> you should be you. <laughs> be you, but Not, better. <laughs> be you, but a little better. Uh, and she... And she holds Costas's hand in hers and reassures them by, like, rubbing their palms uh, amidst the cold. And she says, Be you. Be honest in whatever capacity that looks like. And I will be right here, no matter what happens. And if you... If it turns for the worse or there are heated words exchanged, know that if you need to leave, I am there as well. Thank you, Vasca. That means a lot that you're here helping me through this. I never would have even written the apology in the first place if it weren't for you. And you'll, like, bail us out if she, like, decides to try to kill me, right? Yeah, uh, I, I hope that it doesn't turn that way, but if it does, I will, yes. I <laughs> Fingers will crossed. bail you out. All right, then. Which <clears throat> uh, awaits. Costas takes in a deep breath, closes the gap between themselves and the lizard legs that are kind of like hunched on the ice. And as they approach, you see the ribs and the walls of the house breathing. Like it's like the house is like an actual living thing. Like the walls expand outward, then in and then outward and then in as Costas steps forward. They take in a deep breath. Hello, Kral. Are you there? Inside the hut? It's me! It's Costas! I want to say something to you. It'll just take five minutes of your time, and you can tell me to eat shit if you don't want to talk to me, but... Hello? The house just breathes in Costas's direction, and then it tilts forward. At a 30-degree angle, the front porch slants down and then touches the ice as the front two lizard legs bend, as though bowing. Uh, the front door, which is this cute little thing of wood with, I think, a little star-shaped viewing window in the center, swings open forward, and rolling out is a rug, like a tongue of red, almost like the house is like exuding its mouth, 
plop, 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 like down the stairs and onto the ice. And then at the threshold of this hut, standing straight up as though she weren't tilted at a 45 degree angle, but like she's almost floating there like it's an optical illusion, both of you see a woman, a half Leonin woman with a long, thick, golden mane that tangles into a beard as well. And her face is soft. It's round and sweet like a summer apple. And her nose is flat and dark and wet like a, like a cat or a lion's nose. But there's something in her eyes that are piercing and hard. And despite the cold, she wears an off-the-shoulder robe that kind of dips and cuts low in her chest, revealing this kind of tuft of well-groomed golden fur rising up from her bosom. And a tail twitches and swishes by her legs, its tufted end eventually wrapping around one of her ankles. She is carrying in one hand a fan made of scales. They look like maybe snake scales, like molted scales. And perched on her other bare shoulder is a bright blue lizard familiar. Kral! Hi! Wow, you look... <clears throat> Let me take that from the start. I know it's been over a year since the incident, and oh, I'm no. <laughs> here to just say, please forgive me. <laughs> There's, like, silence. It's just the silence and, like, maybe the light almost imperceptible thrum coming from Parable and she's holding it and it's just this uncomfortable silence and she just pans her gaze over to Kral to see how it's being received. Kral <laughs> has crossed her arms over her chest and is leaned up against the slanted doorway, her head cocked to one side like she's watching a tiny little ant struggle desperately against a sugar block but be unable to move it. Oh no. And Costas gives a toss over his shoulder like, like a kid looking at their mom for help on the first day of school. And you see this like, this desperate look in their eyes like, help me. Uh, and I think Vasca noticing this is weighing up a few options in her mind of where this could go. And decides that she's going to first intervene verbally and okay. say... I believe what Cossus was attempting to say is that they are sincerely sorry. Right, Cossus. <clears throat> and that you feel, and it's just like gesturing to Cossus. I feel like I am a bad, I'm sorry. Carol's arms are still crossed and her eyebrows are raised like a, are you fucking kidding me? She like cocks her head to the side and gives Costas like a one-two, like with her eyes looking up, down, up, down. And you get the feeling like she starts tapping a foot and the lizard on her uh, shoulder begins to hiss and growl a little. <laughs> Fosca looks at all of this and reaches a hand towards Costas's forearm and whispers... It's time for you to be honest. But don't worry. I'll help you. And she's going to swirl around. And I think for a moment, 
it looks like she's about to like strike her all with parable. <laughs> Especially for someone who does not know how Vasca casts spells. Uh-huh. It looks like an attack as parable gets like launched forward. And Connie, if I may, I think because Vasca, I think, got part of the story between um Costas and Coral. Mm-hmm. But she would like to use her soul magics yeah. to kind of like, I'm trying to find the, the best way to phrase this, uh, almost like tap into the parts of both Casas and Coral's souls that probably still care about one another and try Aww. to like weave a tale from that, almost like trying to hear how their hearts dance with one another. I love that. As Parable swings through the air in elegant and graceful arcs, scything through the winter atmosphere, I think music begins to sing from these graceful motions swinging around you. And as the notes swirl out of your dance, your movement, your duet with Parable, so too do ghostly illusory images in the wake of Parable's path. Like, you begin to weave a story about Costas and Karal, the witch and the cursed. And, like, we see these lights, like the shimmering visages of the, an aurora borealis, glisten into existence between the hut and the two of you. We see a younger Costas, translucent, arrogant-looking, full of themselves, like, completely made of flesh, right? Kind of talking up a Kral on, like, the edge of some kind of bar, even though the outsides of the room are faded into nothingness. And then, like, that image swishes away, and then we see Kral and Costas kissing, you know, entwined, the bodies wrapped up in each other, holding each other, that swishes away. We see them lying thrown on the ice, stargazing before the cataclysm hits, counting each of the constellations, giggling at each other. We see little speech bubbles float up from their mouths as they seem to ideate about the future, about a family, about what they could be together. And then it the glow swishes away and we see Karal in the distance, her arms crossed, just like they are at the threshold of her house, like tapping a foot. And then that swishes away and we see Karal crying, like into a pillow, her like lizard worriedly skittering across her shoulders. And that those tears of sorrow and grief and betrayal turn to tears of rage and anger and we see her putting together a curse gathering components literally mashing them with a mortar and a pestle uh, and then sprinkling them over costas as they sleep and then the curse transformation a ghostly story of costas's eyes flinging open gasping veins of ice uh, spreading open from their heart, they let out a soundless cry of pain and rip their shirt open, and we see that frozen patch beginning to enlarge across their chest, reaching up with blue fingers to cover an entire half of their face, and then... Nothing. And Vasca, this entire time, why don't you tell me, what does the melody of their love found and lost sound like? Oh, okay. Um, in true Bollywood fashion, um, I think it's like a narrative from start to finish. Um, and as soon as she picks up the melody, 
Vasca being a woman of perfect pitch, and also master of improv, um, just immediately begins to jump into improvisational song writing and singing at the same time as she goes through this. And as she is weaving this tale and uh, singing the song, you know, the love story between the witch and the curse, it starts off as her singing about their natural romance, that it was almost an inevitability of their meeting and how easy everything was, how beautiful uh, everything was. And then as the conflict begins to uh, happen, uh, Voska will spin around over to Costas, almost like touching that thread that's connected to Costas, uh, and like sing something along the lines of like a foolish mistake, a foolish, foolish mistake um, of someone once proud as uh, she's like tugging on it and like playfully looks over at uh, Costas and then will skip over, perhaps a bit too courageously over to Kural, <laughs> uh, not knowing who this person is, and begins kind of like singing and narrating the, the grief, the sadness, the loss, and then the rage and the wrath that comes afterwards. Um, and as almost as that image is happening where she is mashing ingredients into a pestle, there's like colors that bloom across past Coral's ghostly face, and behind it is actual Coral looking into it, and Vasca's leaning over, like gesturing at the results of this curse and how it's manifested, and it's pain and pain and pain, and as it ends on that, the ghostly remnants, she will swing over and as she is dancing, she's literally just dancing almost in a figure eight between the two of them, like trying to create and carve space for them to link together once again as she's dancing between the two of them. And I like to think that in so doing, they've come like maybe a little closer, not, not <laughs> face to face yet, but like a little bit, they've closed the gap a little bit through her shepherding. And as she steps into the middle, she catches Parable off of her wrist and it dangles and it's pointing at Costas. And she ends that part of the narrative and says, how does the pr prideful feel? I love what that. What is the lament of the prideful? I yeah. Think I think you continue kind of like a backing track. Right, there's like still a little bit of like maybe some syncopation going on, like some backing <laughs> vocals, like you're swinging a parable, and there's still that melody in the chords that are still going. And Costas looks like terrified. <laughs> Costas looks shitless. Uh, but as they're sort of like pushed forward by your dance, and Karal stays, I think, at the threshold, but Costas moves forward because of you. And she sort of like leaned down, kind of towering over him at this point, because that house is still pretty high up, tilted at that 30 degree angle. And Costas, surprising you, surprising Kural, and most of all surprising himself, begins to sing. <laughs> yes! <laughs> My boy! Costas is not a musician, and Costas sings in this kind of warbling, unsure, but like earnest voice. I was a fool. And 
a tour and I lost you. You were the star in my life. I wanted you to be my wife. Ah, yes! But I broke your heart because I was afraid a flight risk you could say so I'm here to make it okay <laughs> Kral I I was such a fucking fool I was a player I, and I I know I swore to you that I wouldn't be a player with you, but I I was anyway, because I was scared. Scared of what we had, because it felt so real, and a part of me was scared that if we settled down, I'd lose my freedom. But when I'm with you, I am free. And I, I shouldn't have hurt you like that. And... For that, I'm immensely sorry. I know that must have broken your trust in me. That must have made you feel insecure, bad about yourself. And I'm so sorry if I made you doubt your own self-worth with my actions. But I I own up to it. And I recognize I, I hurt you. And I'm not asking for forgiveness. This just feels important for me to say to you. I apologize. And if you want me in your life again in any way, that's completely your decision. But if you do, I promise you, I'm working on it. I'm going to hold myself accountable. I'm going to do everything I can to make things right. Day after day. Action after action. I think the backing track dies down. <laughs> right, it like dies the, down, the yeah. The music dies down. Throughout the entire time, Costas is singing like there's a couple moments where Vasca's like eyebrow twitches a little bit and she just kind of like <laughs> with parable like mixes the audio like the wind beneath the wings almost trying to yeah, elevate yeah, yeah. the honesty and sincerity <laughs> rather than anything. And then uh, she swings parable around and it's held less firmly than it was at Costas, but it wraps around her arms like a serpent. And it dangles off of her wrist, pointing towards Karal. Mm. As the music begins to die down, as she almost as a gesture of, what say you? Karal's eyes flick to you briefly, and then back at Costas. This entire time, she had not reacted, she had not moved. It is like reading a statue. And then she says, finally, for the first time, breaking the silence, the fool I cursed never would have debased himself with a humiliating performance like that in front of me. Maybe you really have changed, Costas. And Costas standing there, that letter still in their hands, but like torn a little bit from how hard they're gripping it, looking up at Karal with so much hope and desperation and sadness and guilt in their face. And Karal says... I accept your apology. And Karal lifts a finger with a perfectly painted nail. I might even be amenable to trying things again, but not now. Not immediately. I do, however, appreciate the gesture. Honestly, 
The curse I laid on you is already lifted. You have given up your pride, your fear of dedication and intimacy. I can tell from here my magic no longer sits on you. You can let go of it now, if you want to. So, that moment is now, right? Because you're saying you forgive me, and now I get to decide whether or not this goes away? You do. So what'll it be, Costas? Will you melt your heart? Poignant pause. They're looking down at that piece of paper, the apology. And then they look back up. And they say, Thank you for hearing me out, Kral. And this... And he touches the icy part of his jaw. I think I'm going to keep it. <laughs> because it's a memento of change. It's a memento of the story between you and me. It's a memento of the threads that bind us. And it's a reminder to myself to always try to be a better person. Also, I look pretty hot with it, right? I'd say so, yes. And she smirks. And, and looks over at Coral and nods kind of like finally acknowledging that i yeah i kind of just like intervened on a very very personal thing so this is me formally introducing myself with a, with a nod <laughs> uh and for the first time since meeting her a smile spreads across Karal's mouth revealing these sharp filed lion-like canines and she actually pushes off the threshold and uncrosses her arms and the lizard relaxes and skitters to her other shoulder and she snaps the fan shut well now that that's out of the way Costas paragon of Nitbuza if I may interest you in a cup of tea Vasca looks over to Costas and like holds onto their, their shoulder and like squeezes it proudly says I would love a cup of tea what would be Costas uh, yes, yes, we would. And as the two of you start to go up these sloped steps, stepping onto that red tongue of a rug and following Karal into her witch's hut, at the very threshold before the two of you go in and the door closes, Costas turns to you and says, genuinely, kind of urgently and sweetly, thank you. Vaska from, I think she hadn't like left Costas' side as they were walking, so she's still like walking side by side, shoulder to shoulder with Costas and like still gripping onto their shoulder and if they so allow will like reach their hand towards the back of their head and lean her forehead against theirs and say no matter what I am here for you Costas there's no thanks between us okay and as we close the door on this scene I think a gust of summer wind breezes past the wood and sweeps the scene away and we start the next with a montage of you Bosca you wandering and dake as a bard of connection a Cupid-like figure of myth who traverses the realm, mending bonds that have been severed, assisting loved ones in finding each other, either again or for the first time. 
I think we see these snapshots of you across Andake. We see you aboard a salt moored pirate ship, the last kiss. <laughs> With a storm ganasi woman by the steering wheel as the rest of her crew does chores up on the deck, uh, her ruffled hair fanning out behind her as she quietly confides a broken heart in your ear. And next, we see you in the royal beating heart of the court of Tzu Long, standing amidst sapphire pillars and smiling dignitaries as you officiate the wedding between Savadao and the empress, newly crowned, Toya Hien of Xiu. <gasps> and amongst the audience are all of your friends, the paragons, the keepers, the alliance leaders. We see the now retired Xiong Zhen, and of course, Oka, beaming with pride as they watch their younger sister ascend the throne. And next, we see you on the parched banks of Rangapuni Island, consoling a broad-shouldered but very gentle minotaur person. And I think we watch as you usher Koi through the motions of a bond that wasn't meant to be, and you direct their deep well of affection, their great capacity for love, into a new direction. And next, we even find you in a cluttered artificer's workshop as you help Tamba and Xiaohu find a perfect cadence, a most beautiful rhythm of working together, side by side, as the champion's most trusted confidant. Bosca, I think you spend months doing this. Weeks, months, a long time, and as you do, as you carry out your oath as a wandering bard, a wandering cupid, the matchmaker's melody becomes a fable, a story, a myth that traverses all of Andake and brings hope to lovers and friends and family members, beloved ones alike. And Vasca, I think those weeks turn to months, turn to years, which turn into decades, which turn into a lifetime. A long, peaceful lifetime of uniting lovers, friends, partners, and all kinds of relationships. And finally, Vasca, when you know your storied, joyful life is drawing to a close, you seek out Shepard. The good doctor is gentle with you in the transition, they guide you through your final goodbyes to those who remain. You cry, you mourn, and you thank the Raven Queen and her lover Nitbuza for the beautiful life you spent in service of that remarkable thread which binds us all. Love. And after Shepard takes your hands and closes your eyes for the final time, you know that the next thing you'll see is her. Waiting for you in your shared after. Within the confines of your synchronized souls, you see a room, champions' quarters, a snapshot of infinity. And there she is, standing by the unmade bed, the smell of wood polish sweet in her hair is Atalanta. Patient, kind, proud, waiting, waiting, waiting. 
and just as in love with you as you are with her. What do you do when your eyes open again and you see her? Fosca first, like, she slithers into the room. It's like she enters from, like, a void of space into the orange glow that is this champion's quarters, and her hand touches the frame of the door, and she slips in quietly as she approaches Adeline. Almost like nothing has changed. This is how she would enter the room, usually. And she kind of slips in, and is has Adeline to turn to face Fosca yet, or not quite? She was facing away, looking out the window of the after when you came in, but as your presence materializes, she turns and she sees you. And I think she giggles, like seafoam rising to the surface of the ocean, and holds up like a girlish wave. Says, Sorry to have kept you waiting, champion. And Atalanta surges forward, laughing. If your sea phone bubbling to the surface, she is a deep ocean current, frothing up from the very depths of both of your souls. And she just holds you in a tight, tight, warm, loving embrace, and she feels real. At last, no more ghostly arms, no more translucent spirit. She is here, she is flesh, she is real. And the music that rings through the beyond as your souls are reunited is heard in every world, every reality, and it weaves itself into the very fabric of existence. She kisses you. She Fosca reciprocates, holding onto Alanta's sides of Alanta's face as if Desperately, finally, after so long, like someone who's finally had a sip of water after being parched in the desert. Atalanta kisses you softly, gently, and when she finally pulls away for the first time, she looks at you, drinks you in, a crooked smile on her perfect mouth, and she says, Welcome home, my crate, my paragon, my love, my Vasca. It's good to be home, champion, my heart, <sighs> my tiger. And I think she like holds onto Atlanta one more time. She like pulls back a little bit. Uh, she says, I have written something since we last spoke about our, and she like coyly and playfully looks over at Atlanta as like, our wedding vow? And she raises uh. an eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you now? Of course, certainly. And she like gestures to, I think, one of the many like lush, like cushions to like sit on the ground with that they have for whenever she performs. Uh, and I think she sits behind the Gutian because it's here in this in this after 
it's not vanished and shattered to dust. It exists here. And she plucks at one of the strings, and it's tuned perfectly. The wood is, has been maintained, and she kind of sits down, readies her hands, and looks over at Atalanta and smiles, begins plucking. You are the beginning. You are the end. You are the triumvirate of time. You are the ocean. You are the shore, and you are my soul's greatest companion. Were you lost as well, drifted to a land far from me, my dear? When I finally found you, my eyes glittered like the lost stars above us. And I think as she says that, she like gestures the window of the stars and the space, the void, the look of eternity that uh, shores out from that window. Should time permit me a second chance, I would plead your forgiveness. For the moment your eyes would meet mine, all of my mistakes would be undone. And I wrote this song for you, tuned to your favorite scale. I've gathered your piercing gold smiles, strung them together, and wove these vows. For all of life, for all of death, I would choose to be by your side. Through eternity, through ever after, I remind you how much I love And at the end, at our return, I promise to find you and love you all over again. And even when our time ends and we embrace salvation's embrace, I'd leap into it with you, just like I did all those years ago. And I think as that last line is said, there's almost like a ghostly image of the moment Fosca leapt from the stadium banister, ripping her sleeves to form a meteor hammer after Atalanta. And that's the final image that kind of shows as she leaves these vows. As that final note rings out in your shared after, in your intertwined souls, you see Atalanta's eyes are full of tears. And she's smiling and she's laughing and she's saying, Oh, fuck, Vosca. My vows aren't nearly as good. I think v- Vosca, like, pats her hands down to stop the, the throbbing of the strings as she completes her song. And she gets up uh, hearing that kind of like, you just did that? What am I supposed to do? I'm the, I was the forward champion of the ball. What do you expect me to do? Kind of face that, uh, that Alanta would have. And she kind of like walks over to where Alanta is, kneels right where she is sat and just leans against her shoulder, hooking her arm underneath her muscular one and leans in, closes her eyes and she says, I don't need you to compose me a song, Atlanta. Tell me how you feel. How you really feel. And she does. And what she says, it's perfect. <laughs>